What's going on, family? It's Shanisha of Living Corporate, and today we're going to have that conversation. We're going to have that conversation of what is it like to be a first-time generation American or immigrant in America right now working in corporate? What is it like to have a seat at the table? Not only have the seat at the table as a person of color, but to have a seat at the table carrying the torch for your family, uh, for your generation, being the first to do it. Uh, what are those experiences like? And today we have Dr. Kenneth Joseph, who is a pharmacist, a strategic pharmacist working for one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in America right now. Kenneth is going to share his insight on what is it like to be the first, what has been his experience, what has he been exposed to, and his outlook on being the first generation American within his family to work at a corporate capacity. And if you guys haven't already, I don't know why you haven't, but go ahead and give us a five stars for the podcast as well as follow us on Instagram. I hope you guys enjoy the conversation that is being had between Kenneth and myself and just stay tuned. All right, Ken. So how do you identify yourself? We're speaking on first generation American immigrant in corporate America. How does Kenneth doctor Kenneth Joseph identify himself? Great question. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I feel like being the famous first is what my family likes to call it. It's just a blessing and an honor. Um, And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have made it this far because they filled me along the way. Now, um, in regards to how I identify myself, I am a Haitian American. You know, I'm came here in the 80s from Haiti um, and the rest is history alright alright I hear you little bars 80s <laughs> alright okay so as a first generation Haitian American how do you identify yourself in corporate America do you still identify yourself as a Haitian American or are you just black American American how do you identify yourself in corporate good color and clarity to the question because yes. it's still the same. Um, I make a good point at work uh, even as corporate capacity to make sure folks know that I am Haitian American. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody knows I'm from South Florida. There's palm trees on my desk. Everyone knows I'm Haitian first and then American. Um, I speak Creole. You know, at times when we play music at work, I play some compa. So I really okay. try to embrace my culture and not let Quantica, um dictate who I am as a person and where I came from I definitely think that's that's major I know a lot of times we can have the whole identity crisis in corporate America trying to conform to what they would like us to be or what they would assume that we should be in that capacity Uh, it's almost as if you identify as anything else outside of just black african-american then it's almost as if you're challenging the culture or am i a little bit too far off to the left well i mean i'll say yes and right so when you think about blacks that's the bucket of everyone with more pigmentation to their skin right Mm -hmm. some folks even put the darker tone indians or mexicans under the bucket of black just because it's a color, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I call out Haitian American is because that's my culture. You right. know, um, two 
Saul Louverture led the rebellion in the Caribbean that led to the rebellion in America by way of the Louisiana Purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of rich history and Haitian uh, culture history. So I use that to anchor myself because it's that courage that I used that my ancestors fought, that I continue to fight, try to you know pave the way for the legacy I'm trying to leave on this earth. That's real. That's real. Do you feel challenged by this when you're at work? Do you feel challenged when you walk the halls or sit at your desk or sit in the conference room? Uh, I, I do, honestly, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say that, you know, working in corporate America, especially in pharma, you know, I have a terminal degree. I am a pharmacist by trade, um, but I'm the only pharmacist in my division. I'm the only black male in my division, mm-hmm. and I'm the only Haitian. <laughs> you know, so um, there's a lot of layers that I feel like I have to make sure I'm cognizant of. Mm-hmm. But you know, I also treat others within you know the layers of me. You know, um, because being of that diverse background in a majority white capacity or majority Caucasian, for lack of better words, you know, you you must take it upon yourself to educate the masses. Right. I feel like. You know, ignorance is a state of unawareness, right? So mm-hmm. we use use any opportunity to educate folks about our culture, be it African American, be it Haitian American, Jamaican American, or even pure thereof. Um, that's why I really make a point of it. So if you ask anybody from the VP all the way down to the janitors, they all know I'm Haitian American. And then a first generation American. So. As- what in, go ahead, no school. What influence does this have on your day to day to interactions with your colleagues? Being a first generation American, Haitian American, what what influence do you think this has? I think it, it gives the greatest sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, my, my parents came to the states in the eighties. Um, I'm the youngest five. Parents actually had two kids that were in Haiti mm-hmm. um, before they left. The the kids they were of age, they made the decision. My oldest sibling, my oldest brother, my oldest sister, they made the decision to stay in Haiti. So when my mom, and my dad came to South Florida. Um, once they got acclimated to the area and um, had my two older brothers, excuse me, my older brother, my older sister, and myself for a total of five. That's when it really hit me. You know, um, every time I think back to it, like I'm, I'm my mom's last hope. I'm my dad's last hope. Wow. And you know, wow. it's, it's funny when you go from the first, or excuse me, from the last to the first. Mm. Um, so that's why you know my family they have the notion of the famous first. You know, so now I'll segue into being the first in my company as a first generation Haitian American, being the first pharmacist on my team. It's a lot of newness. Um, so it's, it's, I don't know, it boggles my mind, but it also fuels me. And I think that knowing that I'm the first, I have to continue to fight. So going back to that sense of courage, Mm -hmm. because, you know, walking into work every day when you're the only one that looks like you walking into work every day when no one truly understands or sometimes even appreciate your background, but you, you know, you take pride in it because that's your identity. That's who you are. So once again, that's why I try to educate folks and 
any opportunity I have, you know, quick stop by the bathroom, you know, walk into the bathroom or quick drink of coffee, you know, having lunch. I always try to insert a little bit about my background, about my heritage to better, uh, better edify folks so they understand who I am, not just as an employee or a co-worker, but as a person. That's deep. That's deep. So you, you said before, and you mentioned, I think, like twice about having to fight. What exactly are you fighting in corporate America as a first-generation American or immigrant? Like, what, what are you fighting against? Well, I guess um, I use the term fight because that's what life is, right? Life is a battlefield. And, you know, I have a competitive spirit. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of what unlocks that competitive spirit when I use that type of word choice. So I'm very meticulous when it comes to word choice because words are the precursor to actions. Um, but the fight itself is really just trying to understand how to navigate. You know, I'm big on mentorship as well. Um, because I've been mentored throughout my entire life, throughout my matriculation in the College of Pharmacy, um, and even thereafter, and I, you know, gave back in the same sense. So I'm a mentor to, you know, pharmacy students, business students, just folks across the nation, either directly by way of my alma mater, Florida a and University, or mm-hmm. folks just reaching out on LinkedIn. We hit it off, and they continue to come to me for insight and guidance. Um, but the fight comes when you know, the story changes, right? Mm-hmm. Different phases in life. So growing up, it was easy to get that guidance because there was always somebody willing to help, right? Um, call it more of a community type idea, right? It takes a village. So there's always somebody in the village that's willing to help. But that village you come from is people that look like you, come from the same backgrounds as you, same have the same type of fight in themselves as you you know if it's the older individual um you know they try to live vicariously through you so they want to see you succeed right in corporate america you know it's more it's almost like a lonely fight you know um because since there's so little folks that look like you let alone any depending upon you know the division the capacity so on so forth um you know you may not interact with anybody that looks like you or understands you to that degree on a day so for me, it is a different sense of urgency and a fight, if you will, because it's a battle, right? And being the quote-unquote famous first in my family, I choose the fight. It's a noble fight, you know, because I came from a long legacy of fighters, going all back to the Haitian heritage of Tussauds Louverture, who led that rebellion once again. You know, I always make mention of that because it reminds me to rebel against the norm. You mm-hmm. know, it's not that you see a first-generation Asian-American go and get a terminal degree, uh, leave South Florida, which is the comfort zone, you know, for heritage and my background, go to Chicago, where although Chicago was actually founded by a Haitian Frenchman, there's not much Haitians in Chicago. So it's 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 a never-ending fight. But like I said, I use that term to kind of trigger myself to have that sense of courage and perseverance. You mentioned... <laughs> You mentioned about mentorship and being in corporate America and having a mentor. I'm going to do a shameless plug and talk about your manhood on the Go Foundation where you are mentoring others as well, which I know you mentioned pharmacy students, business students, and those who reached out to you on LinkedIn. 
how did you come about being a part of Manhood on the Go? I'm going to do that brief segue. So how did you get into doing Manhood on the Go? Was it inspired again by you being a first generation American? Yeah, and I'll say um, because the actual founder is um, Iman Sanifer, uh, a good friend of mine from South Florida as well. Um, he is not Haitian. He is African American. Uh, but it's once again that commonality of being from South Florida, being a first generation. You know, we'll, I'll save his story for another day. Maybe he can share it um, through this platform. But it's it's that commonality when you're in the village. Being that he came from where I came from, we had a lot of similar thoughts. You know, we're like-minded individuals trying to obtain that common goal. That common goal was, you know, breaking the barriers of the past mm-hmm. and making sure that maximizing on the opportunities of life. So I met Iman um, on the campus of Florida A&M University and we just hit it off. You know, we one of our greatest passions was mentorship. And I've actually, uh, actually first met him while we were mentoring for a research program that was funded by um, Florida State University. They had a uh, research project where they were um, trying to do comparative analysis on at-risk youth is what they call it. But mm-hmm. it was basically kids that grew up like him and I grew up. So um, when he started the foundation and, you know, he just asked me to be a part of it, you know, it didn't take much for me to just jump in full-heartedly mm-hmm. and give it my all because that's uh, that's one of the places where I said we mesh well and we have that same goal. So now we just want to help folks that came from where we came from and are trying to head to, you know, bigger and better things like we are. That that's look that's powerful to get out there and share what you've been given and, and to make sure that you're encouraging others to do the same and to go after things and having that passion and that drive. I I think that's dope. That's dope. That's super dope. Yeah, I mean, it's it's reach as we climb and each one teach one, right? So right. One of one of the reasons came up with that name, manhood on the go. It's like as a young black man in America, myself, young Haitian American, himself, a young African American, but once again coupled under the notion of a black man mm-hmm. you know it, uh, you, we're always grinding right Right. you know we have that that grind always on the go you know it's it, it starts off in the village if you will and then once you go into your with the other whatever path you take but for us it was in college right so remember always going to class and class and then going to the extracurricular organizations um, being in fraternity Mega Sci-Fi uh, myself being a wrestling team, being part of all these different organizations on campus, off campus in the community, always on the go, always on the go, but one of the things that we do is we put manhood first because that's one of the the biggest things for us because we want to make sure that we keep that spirit up because there are men looking at us, you know, there's qualities in him and I that other young men are looking for mentorship on, Mm -hmm. you know so it's like we always make sure that we're cognizant of that you know, you never know who's looking at you. You never know who's aspiring to be like you. And, you know, folks may not always reach out for help, but you'll be surprised how much of a influence you can have both indirectly and directly. So, you know, when folks reach out, it's, it's a humbling experience for myself and for them because, you know, that's how that connection is made. But for even those individuals who are just looking from afar, you know, that's that indirect influence that we're still keen on. So speaking of influence... How does your culture impact your worth ethic? Your worth ethic, your relationships. Let's talk about that. How how does your culture impact that? All right. 
<laughs> let's go all the way. Since we're here, let's go all the way. <laughs> um, I'll start off with work ethic. So, um, both my parents are, you know, extremely hardworking individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so, going back to my upbringing, they have what I guess society would call a blue collar background, right? Right. And I just remember my dad working tirelessly throughout the days because he was in construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like it's a different beast when you have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning, be at work at four, and you're not getting off until seven. You mm-hmm. know, um, my mom, my mom worked at a hotel, and I remember growing up while we were at school, she was at home, and then while we were at home, she was at work. So she'll work the evening shift because you know there's not much job for refugees, so you have to get it how you live. And I remember her walking, you know, ten miles to get to work during the hot sun, at the peak of the hot sun, and then walking home at night, you know, crazy areas of South Florida. Um, so it's a different, it's a different bite, if you will. You know, you got to have mm-hmm. that bite. And I feel like I take those same working things to me in corporate America. You know, I'm not afraid to go in extra early, to leave extra late, just to make sure that I'm giving it my all, you know, I consider myself a subject matter expert in the area that I work in, and it's because I put in those hours. Mm-hmm. And then once I got to that point where I had that confidence to be considered a subject matter expert, that's when I put that knowledge to work. You know, it's always taking things to the next level. So to answer your question more directly, I think that's what my culture is as far as my work ethic. It's that grind, you know, no matter what your capacity is, because I guess society would deem me a white-collar worker, but having that blue-collar background that's what really feels to me is the best part of being who I am because it's a dangerous combination. Right. Um, it's in a good way. Now, relationships. Culturally, um, I mean, Creole is a combination of French and African dialects, so it's a combination of languages. And I feel like that French side of the culture is where the relationship aspect comes from because, I mean, my parents were... My parents were lovers. You know, they're, my dad was a lover and a provider. My mom was a lover and a nurturer. And myself, I consider myself a loving a fighter, you know. <laughs> but uh, I think that passion uh, transcends into relationships as well. So I love hard, you know. Um, going back to that fight, you know, I'm always in a sense of the battle, right? Like I said, it's, it's word choice. It's, it's a play on words to kind of trigger myself to make sure I'm doing my best and my due diligence but even in relationships you know I don't waste time fearlessly you know going out on dates or meeting folks so I take relationships seriously because once again it goes back to the legacy I'm trying to leave right and knowing that coming from where I came from and being where I am today it's a blessing you know a full opportunity to maximize on this thing called life and all the blessings that come with it okay Okay, so how does that transcend transcends to your your work relationships with your your management, with uh, higher up, with your colleagues? Those work relationships. How how does your culture impact them as well? Um, I think it's a good impact because my work relationships are strong. You know, industry wide and within my company. Uh, in my previous capacities when I was working for um, one of the largest uh, pharmacy chains in America I had more
season role. In my current role on the pharma side, I'm more of an in-house capacity. Um, but my pre role is where I built my industry relationships. Um, you know, it was a national position. I traveled all over the country. And now going to the pharma capacity, coming from the pharmacy world, it's a, it's a newfound appreciation for true pharmacy operations. Um, and all the relationships that I build is based off my credibility. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess, uh, ability to be that subject matter expert. So they're confident in me and what I bring to the table. So building that relationship is natural. Um, and they also, you know, often rely on me as like a consultant when it comes to certain things um, that fall under my niche, which is specialty pharmacy. So to answer your question more directly, because I know I get to a roundabout sometimes, um, I feel like my culture and just coming from that that hard work ethic background really provided me the opportunity to do my due diligence on the front end early in my career mm-hmm. that allowed me to easily establish relationships you know, on the clock and off the clock. So I'm, I'm a genuine person. It doesn't matter the parameters, the confines of the time of the day. You know, kin that you meet between the hours of 9 to 5 is the same kin that you're going to meet between the hours of 5 to 9. So. Yeah, I, I definitely believe you should always, you know, be yourself regardless. I know it's kind of hard sometimes in that setting to to be you <laughs> when you're hard pressed on every side and they want you to conform to the culture or what they have built and created. But going into that, you know, when does the switch happen? You know, when does the switch happen for you? I know sometimes they say we have the voice that we put on when we're <laughs> at work or when we're around our colleagues, but when does the switch happen for Ken? to be you or to be who they want you to be in the work setting? So I'll share a funny story with you. When I graduated um, and got an opportunity to relocate to Chicago from Florida um, and work in a corporate capacity at the pharmacy headquarters, that's when the switch happened. Um, because it, it, you know, I didn't always have this confidence in myself professionally. I didn't always have this confidence in my ability to, and, you know, try to edify folks in my culture, my background. It was a shock, you mm-hmm. know. I, I grew up in South Florida, went to Florida A and M University, did Seven Hills mm-hmm. HBCU. So, right. you know, came from a diverse set of people in South Florida. You know, HBCUs are known for being diverse rich black cultures, you know, of all types. And then I moved to the suburbs of Chicago where it was zero and I looked it up on Wikipedia. It was zero point zero three percent black. Oh wow. Um it was a shock. Yeah. You know, um it, it it was one of the greatest learning lessons of my life because it was at that time I had to make that decision, you know, do I switch to something new or do I switch up the swag of what folks do in that capacity, you know, black folks being surrounded by people that don't look like them and try to conform to the environment. Um, right. I, I chose to stay true to myself. You know, um, I call it my my Romans campaign, be, be transform, not conform. Um, mm-hmm. And I made sure that I transformed into a new version of myself, but stay true to who I was to the core. Um, and then that just continued on 
throughout the rest of my career up to date and hopefully until you know the end that's real that's real because i know a lot of times we get into the whole imposter syndrome or when you answer the phone you know in my environment it goes from if one of my friends call me hey yo what's up to if one of the colleagues call me hi yes you've reached Shanisha. you know <laughs> Shanisha speaking how to help you it's, it's difficult it's difficult but I, I definitely believe you should always be who you are and I love what you said you know transcend or confirm to switch up the swag of who you are in this setting to do it a different way do it a different way right. and still be real authentic and what we call keeping it 100 right keeping it 100 <laughs> say so you know there's a time and place for everything right right so if i'm presenting different things of that nature i will probably you know pull out some of the source words where <laughs> oh wow the, the, the better jumping if you will mm-hmm. um, none, I, like i said i i'm myself to the core and i feel like that genuine spirit is what has been the, the greatest uh precursor and potentiator of everything that has happened um, since leaving the highest of Seven Hills, Florida A&M University. That's real. That's real. So you, you're in Chicago now. You're working for Big Pharma, right? What has been your experience as a first-generation American immigrant in corporate America? What has been my experience? Yes. What has been your experience thus far? First generation. Um. I would say it's 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 been amazing, you know. Um, it, it has been all sunshine and rainbows, cookies and cream. But like I said, when you you have that thought process of that fight, you right? Know, that, that 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 noble fight, and also the that bite, that due diligence bite. Um, that's my South Florida coming out. I hear it. <laughs> um, I hear it. <laughs> you maximize on the opportunity and have not just the faith. Right. But the the optimistic spirit must see, you know. So I'm not hard to please, you know. I, like I said, I came from humble beginnings. I, I'm not used to making the money I'm making the day. I'm not used to being allotted access to certain things, and you know, just the ability to have the opportunities I have today. I'm not used to it, you know. So I thank God for it through it all. Um, and, and my experience has been remarkable. You know, I feel like it's a breath of fresh air because they say it's lonely at the top, right? And mm-hmm. I'm nowhere near the top, mind you. But as I continue to try to climb this ladder of life, you know, I just thank God for all the people that's in my life, you know, surrounding me with great friends, um, a family that supports me more than anybody that I can ever imagine. Um, you know, my family goes above and beyond and making sure I feel whole, making sure that I feel loved. Making sure that I don't let the stressors of back home preclude me and my progress in life. Um, so I, I'll say that this experience has been amazing. You know, like I said, there's there's been ups and downs, but during those down times, it's real minor compared to what it could be. You know, it's 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 very humbling when you really reflect on situations and you're looking at you know you could be complaining about something that seems so big to you in the moment. Mm-hmm. When you really pause and consider and think about where you came from, going back to my heritage, to think about if I didn't make the decision to go off to college, if I didn't make the decision to pursue that pharmacy degree, if I didn't make the decision to leave the nest of Florida and come to Chicago for a new challenge, my complaint would be 
way worse, probably more justified. So even in my haste to continue to grow into the person that God called me to be, you know, life is good. Do it all. <laughs> you know, I praise him, I worship him, and I give him honor because clearly I feel like I'm walking down the righteous path that was predestined for me. So that's why things seem to be working easier and easier as time goes along. But I continue to fight through it all. That way, if, you know, somebody tries to throw a cold ball, you know, the enemy tries to come after me, I will persevere through whatever case is thrown because it's just in me to do so. Speaking of in you to do so, having that fight, being in corporate Americanized first generation American, what challenges do you face? I mean, we all have that upside, but then there's times too where we have the not so up, right? So what challenges do you face and then how do you overcome or navigate those challenges being a first generation American in corporate? Gotcha. So one of my biggest challenges at times um, in corporate America is corresponding through the phone. Mm. I have a very notably deep black voice (laughs) and for folks who aren't used to receiving that type of baritone (laughs) baritone voice on the other side of the line uh, for certain requests and uh, you know for certain actual um, what's the word given directives as well Mm -hmm. um, it becomes a challenge you know I've I've been uh, what's the word I'd be a telemarketer at times you know Mm -hmm. wrong number hang up I'm like uh, it's it's Ken from the other building oh 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 sorry about that I thought hey hey what's going on wow (laughs) you know uh, yeah so it's it's and that's kind of a humbling experience in itself because you know no matter how far you go um no matter what you look like on paper, if you're a black male or female in America, that's who you are, you know? And then once again, that's the bucket of everything that falls under black, myself being Haitian American, you know, folks don't even know about your culture. So that's a challenging conversation at times, but I I forced that challenging conversation so folks would be receptive to it. So when May 18th comes, Haitian Flag Day, Haitian Independence Day, you know, folks know why I'm wearing red, white, blue and it's not because of the American flag it's because of the Haitian flag um, <laughs> so I think like I said but that's a minor challenge if anything but you know at the beginning it was kind of a slap in the face because it's like okay when is this going to stop when are folks going to realize that you don't have to have that you know voice mm-hmm. that Caucasian voice you don't have to put on your Caucasian voice um, there was a movie that I referenced a lot called Sorry to Bother You where the guy in the movie, he had to put on his, what they call the white voice in order to appease customers. And ironically enough, he was a telemarketer. Um, but you know, I just feel like it's, it's 2019. You know, there's no need to do that anymore. Um, a lot of ignorance, ignorance being a state of unawareness as it pertains to black culture and even Haitian American culture is being debunked because of, you know, small effort like mine when you're just talking about yourself, talking about your background and I don't force my background on folks and I don't force my um, history on folks. I use that as a conversational starter and then I ask them about theirs because you know there's a lot of times we jump to judgment that you know the white person in front of me is just white. They could be from France too. 
you know, that gives us a commonality right there. They could be from Russia. You know, they could have some Asian descent, but, you know, watered down throughout the years and through the generations, and you'll never know until you have that conversation with them. So um, the same energy I give in trying to edify folks and educate folks, I try to learn more as well about different individuals. I don't put them in that same bucket that it seems like society likes to put, you know, all people of black descent. That's real. That's real. Education and enlightening is very much needed. I'm going to navigate to asking this last question to you, and hopefully you can shed some light on this and encourage and empower um, the other first-generation Americans. But what advice do you have to give them for the first-generation Americans listening, young, the first in their families to do it, as you said, with the famous, what was it, famous famous first the famous first what do you give to what advice do you give to the famous first the first generation americans or immigrants who are listening right now the advice i would give first advice i would give is connect right mm-hmm. we're in 2019 there is no reason why you should feel like the first and the only in any way form you know, LinkedIn, social media. I mean, I can't really plug you know, Instagram or Facebook as much as I would say LinkedIn is the best um, professional perspective anyways. I would say connect yourself. You know, if you're working in pharma and you feel or you are the only black person within your division, your company, whatever the case may be, or one of few, connect with others like you within your company, inside of, outside of your company, with different companies. Um, because it's important. You know, it takes a village, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like as we grow through life, sometimes we lose that village mindset and think that, oh, we made it or, oh, we can take it from here. But it's a never-ending thing. You know, there's always going to be somebody that is in need of help, and there's always going to be somebody that's willing to help. So whichever, you know, arm you fall up under, be that person. So if you need help, search for it. If you're willing to help those who need it from you. Um, that, that would be my biggest advice. Uh, words of encouragement, keep up the good grind, you know, keep from the noble fight. Um, because being the first, it's it's not, there, there shouldn't be a moment of contentment because the moment you, the moment you feel content is the moment you stop growing. And I'm a firm belief that like God put the seeds on this earth, he put us on this earth to grow. So we have to continue to fight, continue to grow, and reach new heights. And then if that moment ever comes where we stop growing up, that's when we start growing out and supplying the world with new seeds. And that's where that mentoring spirit comes. So for every person that you edify, help, and just got along the way, they'll pay it forward. And that'll be a cascade in the right direction. So those are my words of encouragement and advice. Thank you so so much Ken thank you so much listen up guys this was Dr. Ken Joe and myself Shanisha White giving you the little advice that we have here for first generation Americans in corporate I hope that you found this to be enlightening and that you can take this and add into yourself but Ken thank you so much for your time I know you're super duper busy and you're so Florida So thank you so much for speaking to us today and just giving us some enlightenment on being the first generation American corporate. Thank you. Okay.
refresher. And um, thank you guys for the opportunity to get because um, hopefully encourages somebody else or opens somebody else's eyes. And um, that positive energy just comes into the and can can we go ahead here? I, we're going to put your LinkedIn information down below. But how can people reach out to you if they would like to know more about Manhood on the Go, being a first generation American in corporate? Oh, shout out some of your information here in your businesses so people can reach out to you. Well, you know, I grew up in a generation that uh, used to listen to Mike Jones, and he <laughs> did something bold. Uh, he just threw his number out there. Because, you know, some people may call and you know, and some people may call and actually use it. So feel free. The best way to reach me is area code 561-503-3500. I may not pick up the first or second time. I may not pick up at all. I'm not. But, I'm, you know, <laughs> I definitely want to be a person. Like I said, I'm all willing to help within the confines of my schedule. I do get busy. So if you don't hear back from me right away, just know I'll return your call or I'll return your text. Or just try again, you know. Um, don't stop until you get it. How about your uh, LinkedIn and Insta? My LinkedIn, you can search Kenneth Joseph RD, and that's Kenneth with two T's. So, funny story behind that: there is two T's in my first name. It's not a typo. Um, and what was the other? And your Instagram. My Instagram. Mm-hmm. Not really on it, but it's still out there. So Ken Joey uh, with the three for the E's. So K3NJO3Y. That's Ken Joey with the three for the E's. All right. Ken Joey with the three for E's. Thank you very much. It's signing out. All right. No problem. Thank you. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.